that process was very um, healing for me, I think, being able to in invest in their lives in that way. And I think, honestly, showed me the pieces of basketball that I love. We welcome sports broadcaster Nikki Noto-Palmer. I'm Nikki Noto, and I'm coming to you from our Fox Sports studio. Fifth season of ESPNU Road Trip. Coach, we've got to talk about your defense welcome real quick. Welcome to ACC All Access. The upcoming schedule for the Hornets. Hey there, Falcons fans. Welcome back to the Hurricanes Intermission Report. Back at the Walt Disney World Resort. I've got donuts, so that's all we need. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Sidelines and Storylines. I cannot wait for you to get to know my friend Whitney Jones. Whitney is a Texas girl, an Enneagram 8, if you're into that thing, which basically means she fights hard for everything and everyone she's passionate about. She was a hoop star at the University of Oklahoma. We're talking freshman of the year, Big 12 honors, captain, you get it. Oh, and she met and married her husband there, Sooners quarterback and then Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback, Landry Jones. Our husbands were teammates and our friendship is my greatest gift from our time in Pittsburgh. Whitney's sideline moments from her basketball career led to a beautiful storyline, which includes being a mom to three kiddos and staying active with student athletes through Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Here's the storyline of Whitney Jones. With your basketball career specifically, what was one of the earliest lessons that you learned? Like what was one of the hardest lessons you learned being a basketball player? Wow. Okay. Um, hardest lessons. The thing that comes into my mind is, um, control. Like, um, I think as an athlete, the reason we're drawn to athletics maybe is because so much is within your control, right? Like, um, you know, the work you put in, the work you get out, it's very like a direct correlation in that way. So I think especially at higher levels when that wasn't always as clear cut, you know, you weren't always mm -hmm. that much better or, um, you know, sicknesses, injuries, all the things, the things that were outside of your control, I think were so difficult for me to just allow, you know, just allow it to be yucky, allow it to be gross and there's no way to fix it. And I think basketball kind of like provided that for me, especially later in my career. Um, yeah. yeah, it was hard. You were physically sidelined at such a critical place in your career with your ACL. And can you just walk me through what you felt when that happened? In addition to all the other things going on in your life at that, at that time. Yeah. yeah. So I was thinking about this as I was reviewing your questions and, um, it's really crazy to go back and think about it. Cause you just kind of do, right. I think, you know, those of us that you just keep moving and you're like, okay, next thing. Um, so my first ACL was my sophomore year of college. And I was coming off of my freshman year. I was like all everything. I started on a final four team, you know, like, I, I mean, know, you were because, what big 12 freshman of the year, Whitney, you can throw yeah, that out there. That's a big deal. <laughs> all freshman team. I, yeah. I was like, yeah, it was really good. My freshman year. And then, which is kind of, you know, you make it to the final four and then it's huge. It's huge. Right. As an 18 year old. And then tore my ACL, my first ACL, like five games into my sophomore year. And I had been nominated, I was a captain that year. So I was actually a four-year captain through my career, which it shouldn't be allowed. Like I was so ill-prepared for that. And then you throw on like injuries and insecurities and fear of like, you know, you're at the top, you just like crumbled to the bottom and very insecure in my identity as a human being. And all of those things made lots of mistakes, as you can imagine. 
Um, yeah, it, yeah, reflecting is not fun. So that was my first injury. And then I actually had like three follow-up surgeries. So I was out for like a year and a half after that injury. Come back, play a year and a half, and then tear another one 10 games into my senior year, my other knee. So I think like reflecting back, um, the first one was like just it was crushing, right? It was crushing mm -hmm. to my human, like that this was who I was. I think it like broke down those walls of like identity. And I was navigating, you know, leadership from the sideline, which is a whole different experience than leadership from the front. Um, that was difficult. But then my senior year when I tore it, um, it was so disappointing. Um, and I think, you know, just expectations, we've talked about this before, but um, just, yeah, I, all the expectations that you have, all the hope that you have, all the work you fit in for your whole life. I think, you know, grappling with that concept of like, it's over just like that, you know, like there's not much closure in that. I missed my last free throw. Like what in the world? Like how many times? Oh. Have <laughs> and that still keeps you up at night, doesn't it? Well, yeah. And that's like one of the only reasons I ended up going to training camp for the WNBA. Cause I was like, I'm going to make my last free throw. <laughs> Um, no. So yeah, I think it was mostly like disappointment that time around. Um, and then, you know, okay, what's next in life? Not expecting it to come like that, you know? Mm -hmm. And then fast forward, then you find yourself, you're in Pittsburgh as you know, you're supporting your husband and his career, but then at the same time, you're still trying to move forward with yours. What did you learn in that moment? Just trying to you know, be supportive, but at the same time, still move forward with your own desires and dreams. Yeah. I think I've had to repent a lot for that season of my life because mm -hmm. I didn't handle it well. Um, and I see it now, like really clearly, um, just again, the insecurity I was walking. I mean, you know, like the NFL wife world or girlfriend world is like, it's a different beast, man. And it like <laughs> chews you up, spits you out. And I think coming off of, I had such name recognition at OU. I had, you mm -hmm. know, um, platform and then coming into this position of like, oh my gosh, I, I don't know how to do this well. And I was newly married and it was a lot and I'm feeling just lots of feelings, taking everything so personally. Um, mm -hmm. so yeah, just, you know, repenting a lot for that because I remember making, um, not allowing space for Landry's process. And I think that was hard. That was like, my sin, I think in our relationship, like, um, I was frustrated at how my career ended. Like I had been drafted, was deferred a year. I was training for, you know, the WBA without anyone knowing it. And yet he was frustrated because of playing time. And I was like, how dare you? Right. And so I, <laughs> I wasn't giving him that space that he needed to be where he needed to be. And I really wish I could have done that differently. Yeah. Well, you handled it beautifully from the sideline and being able to witness it and have just conversations with you. I, it's like, I just, I remember those years, like it was yesterday and I will just always be so grateful for you and your friendship and your wisdom, because I felt like you and I were both going through a lot of the same things sort of at the same time. And you just, you still had a lot of wisdom back then a few years ago. So just know that. Wondering. <laughs> You're wondering. 
<laughs> just, just know that. So, but it was actually kind of cool though. Like I remember I loved watching you, Whitney, like you're, you don't sit still. You're always <laughs> looking for something to keep you busy. Some, some goal you were still, you were still training for these half marathons and then coaching high school basketball, winning a state title with them and then doing TV. So was that just kind of the beginning of that process of figuring out, okay, Whitney 2.0, or if there is even a 2.0, or if you evolve, like what did you learn in that, those moments of dipping your feet into some other things? Yeah. Um, yes. In reflection. So I took the high school job purely to have keys to a gym so I could train for the training camp the next year. So I literally, I get to Pittsburgh and I was like, I don't have a gym. And then you start looking around you're like, I can't pay a hundred dollars an hour. I'm not going to do that. I got to be in the gym all day. So I was like, screw it. So I started emailing coaches and I was like, do you need help? <laughs> I love like, it. This is who I am. This is my resume. Do you need any help? And this sweet man, I don't know if he'll ever hear this, but Spencer Stefko was like, I need help. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got to like, yeah, that year I was the assistant coach for that team and we won the state championship that year. It was crazy. Um, I was up at like 4.30 a.m. And then we had a, we had a really good team. So they would, we would play one-on-one -on -one all the time. It was so fun. Yeah. It was the they were um, the coolest group of kids. Um, and then, yeah, so then I, I didn't end up making the team. I played for like two months through the summer, come back, um, end up that year doing, I got offered some with Boston, um, our school, your child's in the room. Mine is screaming in the background. So yeah, I know. <laughs> that process was very um, healing for me. I think being able to invest in their lives in that way. And I think honestly showed me the pieces of basketball that I loved. So mm -hmm. through that experience, I think I realized like I really didn't have uh, any interest in looking at film and scout or, you know, scouting reports. All mm -hmm. the, I was like, where is the connection? How do we grow? How do we, how do we become better together? I love the interpersonal piece of it. So then mm -hmm. when I did the TV, I was like, I'm missing that piece. Like I miss that a lot. Like I don't love, you know, scrutinizing the basketball game. I like being in it. Right. Um, yeah. so then I went back to coaching the next year. I ended up taking a head coaching position with that school. Great learning experience. I was 23, 24 years old. No, <laughs> <laughs> again, so many things I would do differently. And if you girls are listening, I apologize, but um, <laughs> no, they were amazing. Um, yeah, yeah. I had the best coaching staff, still some of my best friends to this day. Um, just a cool experience. I'm really glad I jumped in the deep end, learned a lot. Um, and yeah, again, it showed me the pieces of sport that I fell in love with and that I loved. And um, I'm grateful for that. I'm so grateful for that. Are there any other moments that you sit there and go, oh, Whitney, what did I do now? Yes, that is my life. I am like, let's take the hill. I see it, right? I don't realize like all the stuff you walk through. Um, that's what my husband's for. But um, right. yeah, I, I mean, honestly, you know, is this good? This is gonna come off so bad, and I'm not. I love all my children's death, <laughs> but I feel like there's no end to my capacity, so I just keep piling on. And you probably relate to this. Mm -hmm. um, and with my third child, honestly, I was like, "What did we do? We had three kids in three and a half years." And um, I remember after my second, I was like, "This is like nothing. Like this is so uh -huh. easy." It was a breeze. He was amazing. It was like they were just two peas in a pod. Um, and then with my third, I was like, what did you do, Whitney? Like, you don't sleep, you're exhausted. You don't have any space for what you want to do. And yes, I feel like very strongly. I love her. I'm so glad she's here. 
if she ever hears this in the future. <laughs> That's actually a great transition to where I kind of wanted to go with you. I mean, now it's, it's really cool. We've all had an identity before kids, right? It was Whitney, the basketball player, you know, now it's, Hey, I'm a mom of three kids. And if there's anything that's going to sideline you and humble you quicker than anything, it's children. What are the biggest lessons that you've learned through kids that maybe you didn't experience through basketball or sports? Hmm. Man, I believe in my whole heart that the family structure is set up for us to experience the love of Jesus in a deeper way. And I think with kids, what came was the understanding of how completely flawed I am. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's easy, especially in environments that are so under control, like athletics, going into a world of children, which is, as you know, the least controlled environment you could be in. So unpredictable. Um, And then you put in the emotion of a love like that. It's revealing, it's refining, um, you're constantly coming, you're constantly confronting the pieces of yourself you don't love. Um, and I think in that way, kids have um, just showed me like, dude, you are flawed yet. Like Jesus loves you so much and there's nothing you can do to break it. And I think I just look at my kids and I'm like, you guys are so flawed and there's so <laughs> much wrong with you, but there's like, you know, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like that love. And I'm so grateful to experience that to even like a 10th of a degree. Cause I'm just like, I can't even imagine, you know, the love that our creator has for us. And I just, um, it brings me to tears almost every time because it's just mm-hmm. like, it just is really like, wow, what a cool picture that we even get to experience that. Yeah. I know that you're a part of FCA where you guys are in Texas. What is the one part of your story that you're hoping that the student athletes that you're speaking to grasp onto? Yeah, immediately I'm like, sport is a tool for development, period. No matter what phase of your life you're in, in. like I even think of my husband. I mean, he's done officially this year. He's 31, you know, it's over, you know this. I mean, it's over. And then like you said, you move on. So that period of time, whether you're getting paid or not, is a tool for your development. And if you don't use it as such, it could be so perverted, but if you can use it as a tool for your development and we can like dive in to, you know, the mental development, the spiritual, the physical, the physiological, all the things, how it is purposing you, how you can grow from it, all the things, um, it can be such a positive thing. But if we manipulate it or give into the pressure or allow the wrong voices in, then um, it can be such a negative experience and really shape you in a detrimental way that you have to claw your way out of that space. And I think for me personally, coming into um, high level leadership so young, Mm. I'm having to claw out a little bit because, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. And I think it can be used to hurt and to harm. And I think if you're so, if you're self-focused in that moment that you're given the power that it it can, it can be harmful to people around you. So that's okay. You're still developing. It's okay Mm -hmm. that, you know, you make mistakes, but giving them tools is, is my passion. It's my heart. So it's like, let's like, where are you? What is your job? What's your vision? Now let's give you the right tools, like based on what Jesus says for you to go, you know, go forward and accomplish those things and to realize your dream, your vision, you know, walk Mm -hmm. with them. So yes. So tool for development would be 
the number one thing, if I could like give all my kids perspective, um, I went back, I got my leaders, I got my coaching certification. So I'm a professional coach in performance leadership. And that's been kind of like the theme. It's just like, mm-hmm. how do we get these kids to stop thinking? Like you got one shot, right? I think sports teaches us that you have one shot mm-hmm. and that's so false. It's just so false. You don't, you have lots of shots. And whether that shot ends in positive or negative, like you got so many more shots coming that are going to reflect your time period there. And that's like an important perspective to hold, I think. Whitney, with student athletes now, do you see a difference in the way that student athletes approach their career versus maybe when you did with all of the noise and the distractions that we kind of talked about just a little bit earlier? Is it easier or harder for them to grasp those tools right now with so much noise around them? It is so difficult, like borderline impossible. Um, I was actually having a conversation with um, a lady in our area. Like, is it even possible without walking through it? Right. Is it even possible? I don't know. I mean, I'm like, by the grace of God, we can pursue their hearts to the point that Mm -hmm. they see Christ's love. And I think that's really, that's it. Like we got to pursue these kids and make them know their value is in who they are and who they were made to be, not what you can do for us. And I think a huge piece of this is as parents, we communicate that without meaning to. I think Mm -hmm. um, we're, you know, we dive into what our kids love and what they're passionate about. But in doing so, especially with athletics, I think that can communicate value in the performance instead of the performer. And that is, again, mm. you know, detrimental. So if we can just bypass that, if we can like cut that off at the source, and, you know, take captive of those thoughts and really like identify what's going through your mind at this moment. What, you know, what are, what's your motivation in that? Like those deeper things and let them start thinking that way and understand that you know, that, that isn't their heart. That's not, that's not what they want out of this mm-hmm. is results, but this is how their actions are. Maybe, you know, how they've been taught, how culture has taught them to do it. So it's really just like intervening, raising awareness, all of those things at the beginning stages when they're 13, 14, 15 years old to try to train their minds to be that way later. It's, it's hard. And I don't know that it's possible, but I think it's worth, worth doing for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. And you mentioned, you know, they are performers and I know that's a huge part uh, of your story, of a lot of our stories, of that innate desire to perform. And with that being in your background, how do you scratch that itch now of wanting to be a champion in your own right, so to speak, but also a champion for others? How do you scratch that competitiveness, if you will? Yeah. And um, so, like you mentioned, I think physically I used to run a bunch of races that was just Mm. my physical outlet like I'm gonna crush my body and you know now you know you hit 30 and things just look different (laughs) girl (laughs) tell me this third baby has killed me um so it's not so much physically anymore it's it's mentally for me now Mm. um just how can I stretch myself I've loved so going through the coaching process and becoming a coach it has just made me face all the things and it has been so good. Like, and I've realized about myself that I'm so grateful for my sport experience because it makes me crave growth in like constructive criticism. I'm like, how do I get better? Tell me how to get better. Please tell me how to get better. <laughs> so in that way, it's so painful and it's like heavy, but if you don't know, you can't fix it. And that, you know, there's there, the sin comes in when you know, and you don't fix it. Right. So it's like when things are revealed to you, now you can move forward better. And that just makes you better personally, relationally, professionally, 
all the things. So I think that journey for me in the past couple of years has definitely scratched the itch of like, mm. just like personally, you're going to get better and you're going to get better. And there's no stop. There's no end point. It's just, this is a process for like toward holiness and we're never going to get there, but it's, that's, that's the call is enter into the process intentionally and really like, mm. strive. um, yeah. And it's so, so good. And so worth it. And there's so much work to be done always <laughs> within, <laughs> but it's never ending, you know? Oh, it's never ending, but <laughs> my gosh, what a gift you are to the clients you coach and the student athletes that you lead, because you have, it, it's, it's crazy. The amount of wisdom that you have through experiences at, um, I'm going to say such a young age. Cause we're still young, right? We feel <laughs> <Yeah>. old. <laughs> I love it. Well, and I, I mean, your story is so inspiring and Landry's. I mean, y'all together individual as marriage or as a married couple is so inspiring, but is there a storyline of anyone else right now that's really inspiring you that motivates you or drives you at all? Yeah, I have two. So one initially someone I've always admired kind of like celebrity admiration, you know, from afar, dude, I'm like mm -hmm. obsessed with Michelle Obama and whatever politically yes. it might be an unpopular thing to say. Reading. No, her, not at all. Um, reading her book. I was so related to her story. I bet you did too. Just like, I, did you read Becoming? I haven't read Becoming, but it's on my list. I love her. Dude, because mm. purely, I don't even politically, whatever. I, I agree, disagree with a lot of what they say, but like personally, the, mm. the, um, a, the amount of achievement that she had as she entered into a relationship with Barack and how much she laid down for them and for his journey. I mean, it is so inspiring and the grace she had and the vulnerability she had and, and now even her reaping the benefits of that, like submission and in her marriage and in life. I just think it's a really beautiful picture. So that, and then, um, man, I'm being mentored right now, but this lovely woman named Missy Metis, and she is, um, her story, I'm not going to like out her, but her story is just one of, um, she's been through some stuff, you know, and seeing, she's like this professional, like powerhouse. She owns this mm. very thriving med spa in South Lake, but she's like this amazing mom of, she just does it really well. You know, one of those mm -hmm. people walks with like grace for all of it. And I just, I'm like, I need some of that in my life. And she's been such a gift to me lately. Oh, I love that. Well, yeah. it's always good to have those people in your life for sure. And I'm also, I will be ordering Becoming like yesterday because I've been dying to read it. Who has time to read anymore? And you're the queen of reading. I will never forget you opening one of your cupboards. Is that a word? <laughs> you're covered and all of your journals from writing and all the books. And I was like, how does this girl have all of this time to write all of the things, all of the wisdom and read everything? I'm like, man, I need to up my game a little bit. Dude, I am in, okay, this is, this is going to really like out me as a super nerd. I am in right now, we call it the serious book club because like, you're not allowed to speak of anything but the book in our meetings, which is so oh. right up my alley. I'm like, let's go, let's get deep. Let's rip it apart. Um, it's a bunch of eights, right? Enneagram eights. It's literally like six eights at a table. We're just like going at it, all different belief systems. It's amazing. It's like the best intellectual outlet. Um, and what was I going to say? Oh, I have to audiobook everything, Nikki. I have no time to read. So I am like the slacker in the group. I'm like, well, the narrator was amazing. And you know, so there's great. There is no way you're a slacker. Like I would, I would love to be in that camp because seven wing eight right here. Yes. Y'all are my jam. 
Y'all are my jam. Well, okay. So I know you dabbled a little bit in the, in the TV world. So if there was, if you could report from any sideline or any organization or team, who would it be? Cause I know you've experienced a lot and seen a lot. So Dude, I, just... this, was easy. this question was easy. Um, UCLA coach Wooden, whichever <sighs> year, I mean, he won 10 of 12 years, I think seven in a row, but yeah, the way he shaped culture was mm-hmm. is so inspiring. And I would love to like, you can read books, you watch videos, whatever, but just hear how he communicated. I think that would have been so powerful. Like to the, in the, like, you know, in the grips of it, like in the practice where you just lost or whatever, and you know, you're being punished. Like I would love to just, yeah, be in that with him. Oh, that's good. He is amazing. That's definitely someone that I would love to do more leadership studies on just of how he shaped culture because it's everything that you hear from him is culture, culture, culture. Sure. Championships are great, but it was the culture that was truly legendary. That's awesome. Uh, all right, sister. So let's say the Whitney hand Jones story is coming out, which I would watch and read or audible because life and kids, uh, but who would you have to be your play by play and color commentator? Okay. Landry one, is not an answer. That's what I was going to say. I was gonna, no, but here's my argument. He would be a phenomenal play-by-play. He's just like, no nonsense. He yeah. would be so unemotional in that. Like, just like, here are the facts and this is what she did. And <laughs> that would be my play-by-play. You can't take it away from me. <laughs> so my color is kind of funny because he's, I don't even know if he's loved or hated. I adore him because I'm a very, very passionate Duke men's basketball fan. Uh-huh. But Dickie B is my guy. And I think if, <laughs> if he could do it, he would just hype me up at every turn. You know what I mean? Like I just would feel the energy. I would lean into the cheesiness. Like I need more of that in my life, you know? I love it. He would, if he met you with, I have no doubt he would just eat you up. And I think, <laughs> I feel like his schedule isn't that busy right now. So one simple tweet could probably get the job done. Like you could send him a script and I have no doubt that he would record it from, or have someone else probably record it from his iPhone and send it to you. That would be amazing. Uh, I love it. Well, I just can't thank you enough for your time because I know it's precious and I know you're super busy. One thing I've always loved about you is how you love people hard and you lead them hard. You want the best for everyone around you. And that's what makes you so awesome. So oh, man, you're kind. Thanks for Thanks for seeing my heart, even when I was super flawed, super flawed currently, but <laughs> back in the Girl, day. <laughs> we were just surviving and yeah. now we're just surviving on a different level. <laughs> You're awesome, Nick. I love you. I love your heart. Love- Whitney is one of those people you could literally sit and talk to hours for. And trust me, I've done it. And I promise you, you're going to walk away better from talking to her and hearing your heart. I love Whitney's vulnerability and authenticity. And the way she specifically talked about being flawed is so deeply relatable. And man, I love her heart for these student athletes, especially when she said, we have to pursue these kids and make them know their value is in who they are and who they were made to be, not what you can do for us. Oh, that's so good. Thank you, Whitney, for sharing all of your oodles of wisdom and of course your heart. And thanks to you guys for tuning in to Sidelines and Storylines. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.